Now, what happened with COVID is that everybody was working from home. For, so the, perimi- the perimeter of the organization, all of a sudden, probably overnight, just were including houses as well. So when you were connected with your laptop on your VPN, which is the way you get a secure connection, all of a sudden, your lights, your routers, your fridge, everything could become potentially part of that organization. You're listening to Building the Future, a podcast by Cadence Science Partner. And my name is Rudy van Beurden. In this podcast, I meet innovators, trailblazers, and bright minds who are busy building the future. The race against cyber criminals is unwinnable. You read about it almost daily in the news, DDoS attacks, thefts of personal data, phishing, and so on. Cybercrime is an increasing problem in our connected society. The good news is that online security is getting smarter, more efficient, and more robust every day. Unfortunately, cybercriminals are also getting better and better. The big question is, who will win this race? We are at the TUE campus, the University of Technology campus in Eindhoven, in the middle of the famous Brainport region in the south of the Netherlands, where three renowned experts in the field of online security will help me to find the answer to this very question. Good day to the three of you. A warm welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm sitting here to get a bit uh, Jean Coat, Alliance Director of Orange Next. And right next to me is Elisa Constante, Vice President of Research for Scout Technologies. That's quite a mouthful. And also we have Luca Alodi, and he's an Assistant Professor here at the University of Eindhoven. Welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, are you looking forward to the conversation? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Because actually there's a whole new topic uh, on our plates today, and you're the experts on it. And um, yeah, I already kind of mentioned the statement, which is the race against cyber criminals is unwinnable. And first and foremost, I would like to take your positions on this very statement and then later see what your motivation is behind it. So maybe let's check how John finds about this. The race against cyber criminals is unwinnable. Do you agree or disagree? I will say disagree. All right. And then Elisa. Do you d- agree or disagree? I disagree. All right. And Luca, what about you? I will not surprise you. I, I disagree as well. As well? <laughs> yes. All the three of you? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So um, I'm curious for the motivation because actually when we had the briefing call, Luca, I remember that you kind of did agree. That is well, I mean, I agreed, but, uh, but. And so if you ask me to take a statement, I'm not going to make the wrong one. Uh, so I can expand a lot on the but if you want. And that's just on the word unwinnable. That seems a little bit too drastic and uh, uh, simply the wrong one. It's simply a fight that is keeping on going and on going. Uh, it's just never going to stop. You can win battles. You can lose battles. Uh, the word is not winnable because that means it ends. Yeah. And I don't think it will. All right. So when it's about the statement, you really think it's about the word unwinnable. We can uh, elaborate on that. But maybe first and foremost, it's nice to know what you're all working on. So Orange Next, John, can you tell us, me and the listener, briefly what it is that you're doing? So Orange Next is a company, uh, a subsidiary of the ICT group, a larger group, and we are building solutions into market. 
So typically we are helping customers uh, with the what we call the ITOT transition. So IoT is operational technology where you have a lot of processes that needs to be connected uh, as of today. And uh, by connection, it comes with security as well. And, mm -hmm. uh, having security and cyber criminals uh, trying to attack as well and to listen what you are trying to do is basically the things that we are, are, are doing. So we are building the solutions that are, let's say, have a zero trust uh, in, in by design. So we don't trust anybody and uh, we try to keep the hackers out. Uh, because I, eventually, I think the connect, connection that you what, what we are building, or let's say the connectivity that we build by the transition by IT and OT, uh, it helps customers in the digital transformation. Mm -hmm. So it brings them more than it will cost them to, to do so. Yeah, 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 and that's an ever-increasing demand, I can assume. Yeah, especially now with COVID, uh, you're not always, uh, uh, you cannot be always on on the premises. Uh, you're not allowed to go there because uh, because of the, the the circumstances that there mm -hmm. are. So connectivity is crucial to, to to have. Of course, there is a lot of connectivity already available, but it's always on premise. It's always at the facility itself. Yeah. And to bring that to a more centralized place where you can do more information, uh, that is basically what customers want to have. Yeah, yeah. Because then they can do all the kind of things like predictive maintenance, uh, forecasting, uh, benchmarking between uh, uh, factories, that kind of thing. It's yeah. what, that, what, is what they really want to have. And that's the battle, what, what we say, like if you are, are talking about winning a war, it's the, the war with, between IT and OT within the same company itself. It's already a battle themselves uh, doing so all right so it's it's a big topic yeah. kind of new to me to be very honest but uh, learn some obviously yeah. and the iot you're mentioning obviously internet of things yeah and elisa that's something you're very familiar with as well from forescout and forescout says they active it's an active defense for the enterprise of things yeah actually me and john do in the very same domain i think yeah. like he describes very well what the problems and the challenges so are. you're kind of competitors I was wondering when he was speaking. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. No, it's uh, well. The, the 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 problem is large, so you can find yeah. very different solutions. Yeah. Um, but um, what uh, what Forescout does, uh, what we define as enterprise of things, is indeed like the connection of all things within enterprise. So John before was mentioning OT and IT, so operational technology and information technology is basically connecting, which means that if you take like a critical infrastructure like um, energy distribution before the whole system that was actually operating the grid was disconnected by the computers, laptops, and servers that were actually operating the business. Yeah. Now the two things are coming together. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and what Forescout does is provide both visibility into these networks. So what are the devices that are there? Uh, are they vulnerable? Are they speaking only with the trusted entity? Or am I seeing something strange? and control so we are allowed to actually put in place some defense like uh, in case of you know an intrusion has been detected we can stop something from happening you can isolate a device you can create segmentation zero trust uh, yeah. lands uh, uh, and so on so yeah. that's what we do and the both of you work internationally or per definition when whenever you are in this field you should work obviously internationally because yeah, data global. security doesn't stop at no. the very borders yeah. No, it doesn't stop. It's quite global. It's a quite global industry. Of course, there are problems that are quite uh, local as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certain policies or certain ways of operating, yeah. regulations, uh, infrastructures are quite quite yeah. regulated. Yeah. 
So I'm super curious on the content, obviously, on the jobs you're doing, also on your motivation. Maybe we can touch upon it whenever we've got time for that within this episode. But also here is Luca, and you're a researcher linked to the University of Technology here. And um, yeah, before you said it's actually never ending the race against cyber criminals, because it's quite a big topic. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, it's the usual cat and mouse game, right? Somebody comes up with a defense and then you find a way around it because some of the foundational issues of computer security, they're there to stay. Uh, it's impossible to write a program that can decide what another program does. And so an antivirus can to be, you know, fetch any malware and detect everything at, um, at all times. So when you come up with defenses, criminals will invent uh, new systems, either technical or process-wise. Uh, now they have very sophisticated business models supporting these new processes and technologies. And so, well, then it's the turn of the defenders uh, to catch uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And can you briefly tell us what were the trends in recent years? What did you see coming? Like, how were they, the cyber criminals, evolving? Well, so it, the, the cyber crime is, is, uh, is an old story. Uh, it's uh, in, in terms of uh, malware and the like, it's already in the 80s, they were the first proof of concepts. But when you look at criminals, they started moving from a a uh, sphere in which only security enthusiasts could operate because it was highly technical. You really need to understand the inside outs of everything to pull out an attack. Two more script kiddies that are like people that, oh, I have Linux installed. I'm going to be a hacker tomorrow. And they press a button and they think that they did something. To an actual economic activity that merges the two. So there are technically skilled people that can supply innovative technology. And then there are people who are just users of that technology can then purchase or rent it into specialized markets. Uh, and uh, within that, of course, we can go to a much finer green uh, detail, if you, if you will. But then uh, there are new technologies, there are new ways to attack humans instead of computers through phishing or social engineering, and a number of other invasion techniques uh, that work both against systems and against humans and how we perceive threats, uh, for example. So if I had to give a, you know, a nutshell overview of the recent evolution, I think I would synthesize it like this. Yeah, and what is the specific uh, component of the, the, the part of the, the field that really interests you? Because I read an article that last year you found of these profiles being made available on sort of a illegal market space, like 260,000 profiles of people were for sale and you stumbled upon that or you... Yeah, no, this is uh, uh, sort of, so for, for the last 10 years, I've been infiltrating underground communities, operating particularly in the Russian space, and trying to understand the decisions that these attackers make mm -hmm. um, in strategic terms. So I'm very, very interested into the economics, essentially, of attack innovation, if you will. And that paper that you mentioned solved a very interesting problem, because one often thinks, well, an attacker makes a botnet and steals uh, a million credit cards is going to be very rich. But the answer is no, it's not. Because monetizing a million credit cards is a whole lot of work. Yeah. Very difficult to do, and nobody wants to do it. And that market solved that problem. And so it was very interesting for that reason. And so um, back to your question, uh, I focus on, on innovation in, uh, in the cybercrime space. Mm -hmm. 
to fight them in a more intellectual way. Yeah, no, the idea is that if we can figure out what makes sense for the attacker to do next, yeah. then we can prepare. And even if then they will change their activity because then they have to react, the cat and mouse game remains there. It's not going to get away. But at least it's going to be more expensive for them. So it's not only us who pay the externalities of this. It's We can outsource some of the costs to the criminals as well. That would be a good I think idea. it also starts with educating yourself. It's also... Uh, most of the things that you're seeing is like the human being itself is the weakest link in, in, in the complete game. If you educate the people that are trying to get phishing emails and that kind of thing, if you educate them by saying, well, don't click on that link because that could be a malicious uh, link, that will already give you a lot of, let's say, uh, a turnover if you don't uh, click on that link. Uh, you mean for the consumers, like consumer. people like us yeah, receiving also, emails, which looks like company, coming from our banks? Oh yeah, yeah employees. From a company perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and also I think it's quite important that kind of work to, to apply the risking uh, activities, right? So yeah. the, the risk landscape for an organization is wide. There are tons of vulnerabilities, tons of threats coming up every day. So if you want to wisely use your budget, maybe you want to know where the attack is coming from, what they can leverage, what, what are they making money. If they are not making money by exploiting the vulnerabilities, for instance, they are not going to use that. So maybe the risk of that is lower than something else that brings to ransomware, for instance, which recently is very popular because it's yeah. a business model that works. Mm -hmm. So next to a data engineer, you're actually sort of an investigator as well, trying to find their weak spots in order to, in order to hit the blow where it will land hardest? Well, I, I am a researcher myself, and so I, I, that's what I run, a research team which is actually trying to understand what are the new coming threats and how we can adopt, adapt you, our products in such a way that they can respond to the ones that are more, more risky for our customer base. Mm -hmm. Yes. And John, if I'm correct, like one of your colleagues, I guess he's one of the directors, sometimes send out emails as well, isn't it? Like sort of booby traps. Oh yeah, uh, within does. the organization yeah, 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 to, yeah. to test his own employees. Exactly, it's our uh, CISO, it's our uh, chief uh, information security officer, uh, who does do this. Uh, let's say uh, email blast, uh, where you can get your uh, Christmas present or something, and you can order it during Christmas. Uh, how funny is that? And there are some tiny details in the email that are seeing like ah. This is not a this is a malicious email. No way. And uh, well, I think a lot of the just the colleagues because it's it's the the, the sender is someone who you know that you trust. But uh, it's of course a, a test email. It doesn't bring any damage to the company. Mm -hmm. But it it already shows that the weakest link can be uh, the the people itself yeah, by clicking it. By everybody wants his Christmas present, right? Yes, fair definitely. Enough. If you have a choice. Yeah, yeah. Which one do you want to want to choose? Yeah. So everybody will click on it and do, do, doesn't foresee what's in the the hit, what is hidden behind the email. Let's say. Yeah. So now you click the wrong button and it's going to cost you five holidays. Yeah, for instance, holiday like that. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and then they will be named and blamed afterwards no, as well. No, or? no, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. It's, it's it's used for research, of course, uh, internally to see uh, how can we uh, train the, the the people better. So. Uh, so from an education point of view, uh, yeah. they need to do the self-awareness testing yeah. uh, to be aware of the fact that you, as a, as, a, as a person of a company, can already do a lot of the things yeah. to make sure that your company is not infected by, for instance, some ransomware <laughs> that you really don't want to have. Yeah, yeah. So it's on many, many levels, like a consumer base, where they're getting a text message from a random number coming from a strange 
country asking you to give the pin code of something oh, yeah. but it could be within companies for employees personal data like uh, stealing bitcoin details for example is a, is a hot topic now and then in the news but what do you think um, what is the main concern what should be the, the target point to bundle strength and to solve as a priority is it can we can we prioritize that's a hard question. That's why there is so much silence, right? Because it, uh, it's so so large. <laughs> no, but it's also like, of course, you mentioned, right? You have the, the consumer, uh, mm -hmm. you have the organization, you have the governments. Like there are different stakeholders that you want mm -hmm. to protect, right? So based on where you go, like the challenges are different. The level of education, the put in place of security. I mean, every basic organization has some basic security me mechanism. That's not true for households, for citizens, right? Like uh, most of us at home. I don't know if you don't have an intrusion detection system in your place, I assume. Say again? <laughs> Do you, see, you don't have an intrusion detection system to connected to your Hugh Phillips light in, in the house, right? Do you? Well, I choose not to buy Philips U lights. <laughs> okay, so you solve so the problem at the, yeah, at the yeah, beginning. To, to become, yeah, yeah. No, but what I'm trying to say is like that. Uh, maybe we can channel the conversation into these, I think at least three different uh, kind of uh, of um, spaces in which the, the conversation can be very different because the solution that you have again for the citizens is much different than one that you apply to organization. I believe. I don't know, Luca, John, if you agree. Absolutely. Also, I mean, within organizations, if you think of to an open environment like the university, their security and the prioritization of the controls that you have to deploy here that will be very different from those that you would have. Yeah. Yeah. Where they produce the hues you don't buy, for example. But maybe we can focus on those and also saying for consumers, it starts with becoming conscious and also that all of these connected devices could be possibly. Attacked. Maybe I can give you an example of how all of them can can uh, can connect and come together, right? You, you mentioned at the beginning we do enterprise of things, which is like everything connects, right? And now with COVID, what happened is that before an organization, they have a perimeter. The moment you go, you plug your laptop in the organization, you are sure, or the CISO is yeah. sure, that you are actually complying with the policies of that organization because they have in place control they do not allow you to go on youtube or on more dangerous uh, sites let's mm -hmm. say than, than youtube but they, they put some control now what happened with COVID is that everybody was working from home for so the perimeter the perimeter of the organization all of a sudden probably overnight just were including houses as well so when you were connected with your laptop on your vpn which is the way you get a secure connection all of a sudden your lights your routers your fridge everything could become potentially part of that organization, mm -hmm. and those will bring threats and uh, and um, activities that were never foreseen by the CISO when putting the policies, because that was a status that was never. Uh, and in that way, that's actually a way where we can probably discuss about this, and it will include a bit everything, the organization and the normal life. I mean, yeah. if your guy, if your kid now has a PlayStation, PlayStation will appear in our yeah, yeah. in our products. We see that hospitals have playstations and you're like hmm. oh unbelievable <laughs> there's just so much work to do now isn't there yeah. so you you need a vast vast amount of people working on this as well so we we tapped very briefly on the motivation but maybe elisa if i may ask you what what's your personal interest in this very field of working it's exciting you see like you speak about it and everybody's engaged it's like uh, it's uh, it's very complex but at the same time it's very much evolving yeah. it's 10 years i am in the in the domain and uh, I never get bored not even one day and oh, that's a good thing so it's, and it's something like it's pretty much actual 
is pretty much important. It involves, like, I especially work with uh, yeah, critical infrastructures and uh, things that can actually go wrong there, which actually would have an impact on the society. Mm-hmm. And that because there are actually some examples for that, for the critical uh, infrastructure as well. There was recently news about a pipeline, if, if I'm correct, in the United States of America, but as well here in the Netherlands, half of the countries below sea level. Like, if all these... How do you call these bridges and and, and, and uh, connectors are being hacked? Yeah, then then possibly half of the country with millions of people living there could be underwater. Yeah. Is this something you also advise like national governments about? Or well, uh, yeah, yeah, there are some like for instance like we are asked for opinions when they are drafting policies or when they are drafting compliance rules, uh, then it's like, okay, you should take into account, for instance, that a way to solve this problem is to actually have visibility into all the networked devices that you have in your uh, uh, in your organization. And then starting from there, you can create a strategy. And so uh, there are like several documents that, uh, that are out there that are guiding organizations that governments put to guide organizations, especially in the critical infrastructure things, uh, to, to actually put in place the right mechanisms. Yeah. And one solution could be, or is it non-possible anymore in this uh, year of age, not connecting them to a bigger network? That's just hiding behind <laughs> your head in the in the soil. No, there is not such a thing as not being connected. Uh, it will not solve the problem. Okay, okay. It will just probably delay it or just make resistance it worse. Is yeah, now. resistance okay. is in I, I, I keep it to podcast and then uh, you do the work uh, on cybersecurity. Uh, John, uh, I'm, I'm also thinking, you know, whenever there's a fire of a neighbor somewhere in the street of a house on fire, I myself gonna check my fire insurance. Do you know of some examples that some organizations saw or experience themselves and finally afterwards they came to you or in next saying we need your help desperately for uh, especially on cybersecurity definitely mean, yeah. yeah okay okay so uh, so we we use cybersecurity uh, to, to to provide countermeasures towards it so we don't build cybersecurity platforms like uh, like you do uh, but uh, we use those those platforms. So what what the question what we get from our let's say customers or the people that are asking is that they are especially now what you see is that uh, you mentioned it already. Uh, everybody needs to stay stay at home, work mm-hmm. from home. So from the IT department, it was like, yeah, well, it is what it is. We take the risk. We know that it is a risk, but there is no alternative. Uh, doing nothing. Uh, don't do your work. Don't be connected to the uh, the network. Will the damage will be greater than taking, let's say, that calculated risk to stay at home and doing your things. Yeah. Uh, so uh, especially now, what you're seeing is that also the customers are using that, let's say, break. How you can call it a break, or that that moment in time that basically there's a big reset button pushed. And now you see that they are asking about, hey, what is my policy? Hey, what is my insurance policy? Mm-hmm. So yeah. do I still have, am I from a security perspective on par? Uh, and if we wanted, if, if this is, let's say, if connected uh, connection will be there, resistance is futile. So we will be connected. Uh, what will it bring us from that security policy perspective? So the customers are asking us from an advisory role, like, okay, how you know our processes, uh, you know how we work, you know how to connect, you know how to apply technology, uh, and how can we bring a faster ecosystem by uh, having uh, uh, the universities uh, providing insights, but also other companies that have deep down technology 
uh, and, and knowledge about cybersecurity together to make that complete ecosystem yeah. to work. Yeah. So I think it is a, a, a much broader answer uh, than, than the simple question: uh, How about your insurance policy? How, how can you uh, how, how can you create that? But yeah. I think that is that is the way to move forward. Eh? So uh, it, it is done. <laughs> we needed to we needed to do so. And now, now we need to react. Eh? So uh, get rid of the hotspots in the in the in the in the in the, in the networks. Get uh, get rid of those and build on top of that. Because those it. are vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, as Orange Next, are actually advising them, coming up with a strategy first, and then advising yeah, them along, how along to the secure yeah. their end-to-end digital exactly. yeah. connection. Yeah. So you're not true competitors. No, no, maybe no, Orange no. Next can actually we advise can using <laughs> Forescout. Yeah, yeah, it's even a just one, uh, one story down. Yeah. <laughs> close by, yeah. Very close by. Um, Luca, but but maybe you've seen some disastrous things happening, like security measurements which weren't taken, and therefore there are so many examples, but are there some examples that you found in your career that you thought, wow, those really got me thinking? I think that the biggest lesson learned that, that the history of cyber attacks taught us is that the vast majority of attacks target vulnerabilities that we already knew were there for a very long time and for which we even had a solution for a very long time. It simply wasn't applied. Um, and this touches back to the idea of how you do deploy security controls when you do it and how you use this, for example, uh, for um, insurance, uh, to calculate a premium for an insurance. It opens really a, a Pandora box and uh, lots of the, um, lots of the um, problem boils down again to the economics of how you apply, how you apply your security decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So now we know a little bit better about cybersecurity and then the, the passion that's around the table as well and the, the need for it. We also look back a little bit in, in history. What were the trends coming from the 80s and so on? What's happening in the near future? Who's got like a glass ball being able to view oh, the future? Luke What's happening? Yeah. He knows. So if I need <laughs> to put my well. money on something, yeah, I'm going to put do. it on, on fishing. Fishing. Um, so what, what we've been seeing is that the technical defenses are getting toward the, is it an adjective uh, that you have in your, no, that would be, yes, it would be an adjective, on the unwinnable part, yeah? In the sense that uh, defense technology are getting, are raising the bar high enough to get out of the game lots and lots of players that used to be proficient back in the day and are not anymore simply because overcoming some technical countermeasures became uh, um, almost impossible. So if you look at what happens in the, in the underground markets, then you see that the prevalence of new vulnerability exploits and very technical attacks is fading away. And most of these processes, they start to become more and more on the services that the criminals can provide to the masses of wannabe cyber criminals. And these tend to be on how do I manage your ransomware business or how do I launder your money or how do I make your malware undetectable by this security vendor and mm -hmm. so on. Um, but then they don't have any more the answer to how do I deliver the malware without the system noticing because the technical capability to do that is getting a little bit out of their game now. Uh, and so the only way that remains to them is shifting the attack surface from the system to the human. 
And so if you look at new ways of deploying social engineering attack, they're really getting very advanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start using open source intelligence on their victims, for on their targets, I should mm-hmm. say. So using, for example, your, post, your, your Facebook posts to see whether you're on vacation and what friends Excellent. you have that remain behind and use that information to impersonate them and then forge a good pretext that would maximize their chances of uh, getting their uh, malware through, if mm-hmm. you want. And with all the other problems that we touched upon today, um, I would say that it only reinforces the idea that the battle will go on, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, and I saw on Facebook uh, this, uh, this, uh, this weekend that uh, even you get posts from the Rabobank, uh, the, the bank, with an official paper with an, exactly a pass, a plastic pass. Really? Uh, completely engineered with a pin yeah. code. In the mail. In, in the, the, the paper mail. So just sent like to your address. Sent to your address. Yeah. Uh, it was like uh, the only thing what is not uh, what is missing is that your 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 number your your bank number is wrong, and the name probably could be wrong, but the rest is all okay. And there are some they're using a, another kind of ink, so it's already kind of kind of creepy that you get posts from your bank with a, a plastic pass with a pin code completely intact. In that so for for us it's like oh sure, I didn't got any message, but if you're as an old lady or uh, yeah uh, so like you, you can really push this to yeah. the limit i mean if if uh, you have a sophisticated enough social engineer yeah their attack indistinguishable from magic yeah. unbelievable you can't do it so from my end as being consumer whenever you've got doubt just ring your bank and not ringing the number which is in the letter but actually google the number or i don't know which is in your phone in your contacts and then ask did you send me any email but what what should the three of you do like how would you come up with an answer to this from the field with with solution right to how like one thing for instance like if you use um, certain email accounts like uh, the the phishing engine is quite good it's quite advanced so as there are as there are cyber criminals that try to do new techniques there are researchers that try to see how to counteract that right so I bet I have to be honest. For instance, like my, I think Gmail is quite free of uh, of, uh, of phishing because like their engine is quite good for uh, be ahead of uh, of them in in that. If you have an account that maybe is managed by slightly smaller players, uh, maybe their engine is not as sophisticated as it could be. So like also in that sense, you can protect yourself. Uh, for instance, another way like uh, uh, is to have an antivirus also on your phone. On your iPhone, you you can uh, download it, pay for it, and be protected from you know. If you want to see whatever uh, strange link, the the the, the virus will. Um, it's possible on all smartphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Android and iOS yeah. and all of that. Yes, yeah. you can download it, and then like it warns you, like don't go here. This is like well-known website for actually hosting phishing or other attacks. Yeah. So there are basic things you can do to protect yourself as well. Yeah, and maybe also to activate two-step verification, which is a pain in the ass whenever you have to log into something but it might be very beneficial to actually uh, foresee possible disasters yeah yeah another way around could also be possible eh? if you saw the news by the by the police the the big action that they did with the crypto phones yeah whoever was living below a stone yeah can you briefly tell us a little bit about that yeah so uh, basically what they did was they they uh, they had crypto phones, so a phone that is scripted, uh, that is used by, uh, by by the criminals, the criminals uh, to, to to use to uh, in, in exchange information. Yeah, 
Uh, but those crypto phones were, let's say, hacked by the police. So the police could, uh, let's say, uh, saw all the information for months. Yeah, they actually and built the whole platform. Exactly. Yeah. And that was very, very funny because they were attacked by their own measures. Uh, and they, yeah, well, the, 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 the rest is history, uh, what you see in the news now, that they completely wiped out uh, well, that, that particular threat. Yeah. Uh, but there are many more. So uh, coming back to your statement, like it's unwinnable. That's why I disagree as well, because I think if you are knowing what would, could be the next step, you can create already countermeasures or use the same material in the way how they operate. Yeah. That could really be an advantage for yourself. Eh? attack is the, the best defense yeah and say. is it then always because you have to be more you have to work more in intelligent also foresee what their possible next step would be there should also be a financial gain for them so that's all also an indicator for what they should do but is it also maybe that you have to start working together with whole new fields of expertise like uh, psychology for example like is this something that's going on in, in your field that you work with totally different experts to try and see what their next steps would be? Well, in our, in our case, we are looking at a lot of data science. So we have a lot of data available on the past mm. and a lot of data available on what it's happening right now. So things that are called indicator of compromises. So for instance, if you see that a certain IP address coming from a certain country becomes very popular across a specific sector, maybe you can start investigating that. And of course, you can analyze like a large amount of data that now are available, etc., to try to forecast, to foresee, to, to at least rank the threats yeah. in such a way, as you said before, that you can invest more into the highly risky threats. And you, uh, Elisa, as uh, working with Forescout, you actually have access to all this data because I'm a total dummy, but how does this go? Is this just open source or do you have to crack the code first or is it the big database? Well, in our case, it's, a, it's like a proprietary uh, thing that is quite, quite uh, interesting from a research viewpoint. And actually we collaborate with Luca so that some of the students can actually come and get access to this data and they can, uh, you know, put their brains uh, to, to find uh, new ways of use them. But what happens here is that uh, we have our solution monitoring networks in 2,000 or more customers around the globe. And those are big, huge networks with millions of devices. And they send metadata around the devices and communication to this big cloud of data. Yeah. And then we can use that for investigation and for improving our security tools and send back uh, the, the intelligence. Yeah, yeah. To, but to, 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 to clarify, you actually need a permit or some sort? It depends. Yeah, this data typically doesn't have a PHI, so it doesn't have any personal, uh, like in the case of healthcare, personal health information or yeah, yeah. Uh, private. But of course, there are all these things in place for privacy concerning yeah. uh, mm -hmm. and uh, anonymization, etc. Of course, like you need permission, yeah. etc. That's also uh, yeah. one there of the... There are some open source data as well, I think, for certain things. So maybe Luca knows better about those. Well, yeah, there is lots of stuff on, on, on ongoing cyber attacks, especially. They, what, what doesn't go well with open source data is how updated they are. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more historic, but then they're good enough for research purposes. Then for operations, you need something better. Uh, but in terms of uh, ongoing attacks and malware prevalence and um, cybercrime activities, we ourselves uh, build... Uh, some of these data sets and, and share them with the, with the community. Yeah. Yes, of course, also yeah. open sources. Wow, there's just so much to say about this topic and 40 minutes is just way, way too short, but are there some pressing new things that you want to share with the listener where you're working on or where you might need help with? 
or are, is there some landing pages or whatsoever when people find very interested in how they can protect themselves? Is there something you want to still share with the listener? Who wants to give it a go? Luca? Well, I can give it a go. So at, at the University of Eindhoven, here in the, in the Metaforum, in the Department of Mathematics and Computer Science, we are building a security operations center that is a way of monitoring as a service our, uh, infrastructures of uh, uh, organizations, particularly in the region, but not necessarily so only in the region. And what we're trying to do with that infrastructure is to use it to funnel in research results right away, particularly on our models for uh, attack engineering and attack forecast and see how these can match with uh, security analysis. Uh, this is a very multidisciplinary aspect, as you mm -hmm. mentioned before, we even have criminologists and psychologists working with us on some of these aspects. Cool. And so the challenge of integrating that more theoretical view into practical operational aspects is uh, is open, but uh, we're working on it. Yeah, and you actually start with this with this center to work for clients as well, isn't it? Yes. To start so off with a university that is a, as a one commercial sock that we are offering through a public-private partnership to yeah. the outside world. Yeah. And. Um, Come talk to us. Yeah, cool. Nice. <laughs> Luca, Alodi, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Some of the other two, Elisa or maybe John. Is there something you want to share? I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> so actually what we are also located in, uh, in the campus of Eindhoven and what we have is actually a quite cool cyber lab. Uh, which we are offering also to students to come and having their internship to learn how the system works in reality. So how an organization looks like, like what's behind the walls, what are the operational technology really, how do they communicate uh, and create malware attacks, new kind of attacks, and then create solutions that can actually protect from those kind of attacks. So it's both a learning experience at the same time, uh, you actually advance our technology because you can work on our product fr framework. And uh, yeah, so also if uh, anybody's interested in that uh, can contact me directly on LinkedIn or on our website. Sweet. Um, there is uh, tons of research material uh, around what we are doing there. Yeah, thank you. Elisa, thanks. And last but not least, John. Myself, huh? yeah. So yeah, from, from the group itself, so uh, within the ICT group, we have uh, security uh, propositions. So basically what we do is uh, uh, looking back again to, to the customer, yeah? so because we, we know their process. And basically, it's always the ITOT kind of thing, eh? like the cyber uh, cybersecurity is an IT, uh, let's say, play thing. Uh, but the OT is basically is is is, is earning the money, uh, and they are very conservative. They are very like, oh, don't change. Eh? I need to provide output, so I don't want to have connection, for instance, or I don't want to have kind of things. Mm -hmm. So basically, what we are doing in this security assessment that we have, and in the proposition is that we are providing a lot of let's say frameworks and, and mechanisms to, to basically do a, f a few steps. Like uh, we always say, like, if you want to force someone to do something that is quite hard to do so, eh? if you say, yeah, you need to do this, uh, human reaction is like, why? Mm. I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, understand why are they not willing to change yeah. uh, and help them to, to foresee that. So basically we are building that bridge uh, between those two worlds by saying, well, Cybersecurity is very important, and it will bring you this in yeah. your uh, uh, proposition. So basically, it's to what I always say: feel, focus, 
and, and, and slow down then. Uh, uh, because if you slow down and give people the, 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 the time to adapt, to adapt uh, it will eventually then bring you that uh, as well. Yeah. So uh, with those that framework that we have, we provide that insight, we provide that attack service, provide them what they need to do. And then they say like, oh, okay, uh, it, it, we can already do a little steps to yeah. already improve and to be helping cybersecurity out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you're now saying as well for those clients, the added value should be visible exactly. and recognizable for them in order exactly. to make the steps and, yeah. Uh, yeah. to change. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why uh, we work with others as well. Yeah, luckily, and yeah. The, all three of you are luckily very hopeful because within the statement of the race against cyber criminals is invulnerable, all of the three of you were disagreeing. I don't think I have to check once more. I still think all of the three of you are disagreeing because you're actually bundling powers and you become even stronger. That's a good thing. And I myself, I learned, well, wow, uh, even though I think I have it all sorted, I can be quite vulnerable as well using my smartphone in the first place and maybe thinking I've got a pre-digital car still, but tomorrow it has to go for service and then it has to be plugged in into a computer as well. So it's actually all connected. So this made me very aware and I'm starting to check my accounts this very evening <laughs> already to see if I'm uh, up to speed actually and up to date. If you have a phishing email. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if you're sending me a LinkedIn request or something, I would double check. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. And just wait a little bit for it. Maybe call Luca to ask on his expertise what I'm I should do. I'm going to tell you to click. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next day, Elisa is saying, what did you do? I see that yeah. on my data lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I see red lights uh, blinking. Got him. Wow. Okay, it's, it's also a funny sector, there's so much to do, you're still highly motivated, Elisa, even after 10 years, there's so much evolving, obviously, and that, that's one thing for sure, uh, even though we have to wrap it up due to the time. So thank you very much to the three of you, also for the listener, you've listened to Building the Future, a podcast by Cadence, science partner, and thanks to our guests, Elisa Costante, Vice President of Research for Scout Technologies. John Cote, Alliance Director of Orange Next, and Luca Alodi, Assistant Professor here at Eindhoven University of Technology. And um, this very episode was recorded at the TUE campus in Eindhoven, and to be more specific, in the MMP building. And this is a building by Cadence Science Partner. If you want to find out more about this podcast or our guests, go to cadence.com slash podcast. Here you'll also learn more about Cadence Science Partner and how it connects innovative organizations and ecosystems throughout Europe, helping them to work on sustainable solutions for the future. And do not forget to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite app so you won't miss our upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening and my name is Rudy van Beurden.